This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. I was uh, speaking to the men yesterday morning at the men's breakfast, and I explained to them that the way that the Lord uses me and the way that we minister, um, oftentimes I'm getting direction for services direction on what to teach and so forth at the last minute but it doesn't always work that way there are a few times they're rare but there are a few times when God will tell me ahead of time what to minister on this morning is one of those times um, about five or six weeks ago the Lord spoke to me and told me to teach the series that we just concluded last Sunday morning on steps to answered prayer and then he said after that teach on the tithe so I've known for some time um, what the topic was, and I believe it's—I believe it worked this way. I believe God spoke to me this way because He's got some things that He wants to do for you. So we want to talk about the tithe. We want to start uh, in Genesis chapter 14. There, there's uh, there's always been teaching that the tithe was part of the law. And it was fulfilled in Jesus. But there's a, a resurgence of that idea that uh, is going around. And as I understand it, the premise is Jesus was the tithe. And I don't want to throw rocks at anybody else's teaching or preaching. The motive behind it seems to be an attempt to just take the tithe out of the law or take ourselves away from doing anything that the law commanded. The motive behind it appears to me not to be something where people are out trying to get out of doing something for God or giving or, or whatever. It seems like the intent is just to not call it the tithe. They're encouraging people to be generous in their giving which the Bible does. But the Bible's got the answers for anything and everything that we encounter in life. So I want to share something with you that the Lord shared with me a long time ago. Genesis chapter 14, the background of this is that Abraham and Lot have separated. Lot has gone to the, the flat part of the land. Abraham showed him the whole valley and everything that God said was his. He said, you take what you want, and I'll take what's left. A man of faith always takes what's left. Because it doesn't matter what's left. If God's with him, he'll make something good out of it. So Abraham took what was left. But uh, the cities of Sodom, or the city of Sodom, was invaded by some of their enemies. And because they took Lot and his possessions and his family Abraham gathered together the 300 people that were servants in his house and he went and defeated those that had held his nephew Lot captive. So he's coming back from this great victory, bringing the spoils with him. And it says beginning in Genesis chapter 14, verse 17, and the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of, your guess is as good as mine, 
and the kings were, that were with him at the valley of Shava, I guess, which is the king's dale, and Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be the Most High God, which has delivered thine enemies into thine hands. And he gave him tithes of all. Now the word tithe means tenth. So it's saying that Abraham gave Melchizedek 10% of everything or one-tenth of everything that he brought back in the spoils. Let's think a little bit about who we're talking about. In the first place, Melchizedek is a mystery on a lot of different levels. But most everybody acknowledges that Melchizedek was either a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus or he was a type of Jesus. He was somebody that represented Jesus in the capacity that Jesus holds now as our high priest before God. It's, um, it's not always pleasant to think in these terms. But the fact of the matter is when God came to a Abraham and told him to follow him into the land of promise, Abraham was an idol worshiper. And I'm calling him Abraham, which God changed his name to. You remember the story when he's about 100 years old, he changes his name relative to and, and um, as a critical element of bringing forth the child of promise to Abraham and Sarah. But Abram, if you prefer that, his name at the time and his name at this time, Abram was an idol worshiper. Now, offering sacrifices to idols goes back way before Abram or Abraham bringing gifts to appease certain gods represented by idols is not a new thing. We don't know, there's no, uh, there's no historical record that I'm aware of that identifies anything related to the tithe or a certain amount or percentage of that which somebody has that they offered to idols. Nobody's done it with God, certainly, up until the point that Abram does it. So what motivates Abram, Abraham, what motivates him to give Melchizedek 10% of everything that he's bringing back? We don't know. There's no way to know. The tithe was never commanded of God. This is the first time that it's ever mentioned, and it's something that is done specifically because Abraham chose to do it. There's no requirement to do so. We don't know who Melchizedek is, as I said, with certainty, and so it's not like Abraham has been acquainted with Melchizedek. It's not like Melchizedek shows up at any other time during Abraham's life. But Abraham recognizes that he's the priest of the Most High God. And so when it says Abraham gave tithes of all, it's literally telling us this. Abraham did something, in this case bringing the tithe, of all the spoils, Abraham did something out of a desire of his own heart to honor God. His idea, not God's. Nowhere has God commanded this to take place. So when Abraham offers the tithe unto God, it's something that he initiates. It's something that he chose to do. It's something that he desired to do. Not because God told him he had to. 
Now, without question, it becomes a part of the law. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. Turn with me over to Genesis chapter 28. Now, the background of this is you remember that uh, Isaac, who was Abraham's son, the child of promise, had twin sons, Jacob and Esau. Esau was the older by just a couple of minutes. And so the birthright belonged to him. He didn't seem to care anything about that. And so he lost that birthright to his brother Jacob. But when the time comes for Isaac to bless his children, Jacob and his mother come up with a way to deceive their father, deceive Isaac. He puts on animal skins and tries to appear like he's Esau. And because Isaac's eyes were dim, he couldn't see clearly. He was tricked into giving Jacob the firstborn's promise, the firstborn's inheritance. Well, Esau hears about this. He finds out what's going on, and he swears to kill his brother. So Jacob has no choice but to run. And this is the beginning of his running. This is his interaction with God as he's leaving his father's house. Beginning in verse 10, it says, And Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night, because the sun was set. And he took of the stones of that place and put them for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord God stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father and the God of Isaac. The land whereon thou liest to thee will I give it unto thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth. And thou shalt spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in thee and all thy seed, in thee and in thy seed, shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee and will keep thee in all places whether thou goest and will bring thee again unto this land. For I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. And Jacob awakened out of his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place? There is none other but the house of God. This is none other but the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillows and set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city was called Luz at the first. And Jacob vowed a vow. Here's what I want you to see. Jacob vowed a vow saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house. And all of that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. Now, where did Abraham, or where did uh, Jacob, excuse me, Abraham's grandson, where did Jacob learn about the tithe? Where's he come up with the idea that if God will bless me, if God will do unto me what he has spoken, if he will increase me, then I'll give him the tenth. Where's he come up with that? We don't have any record that anybody's tithed since Abraham and Melchizedek. 
We don't have any, any record whatsoever in any form that it was a, a regular means or a way that they operated. And if it had been the way that he operated, why would he make that vow? If he's used to tithing anyway, if, if Abraham has said, I met this guy named Melchizedek and I paid him tithes and that worked out pretty well, so I've been paying him ever since. And you guys, Isaac and your sons, Jacob and Esau, make sure you tithe. It wasn't that at all. Here's another instance where somebody chose to do something based on their relationship or their interaction with God. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. Jesus said the kingdom of God is as a man speaking the word of God into his heart. You exercising your authority in the name of Jesus by whom you have access into the kingdom of heaven to say that for you, you are free from the influence of sickness and disease. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Now over in Deuteronomy chapter 14, Without question, tithing makes its way into the law. Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 22, it says, Thou shalt truly tithe all the increase of thy seed that the field bringeth forth year by year. It's one of the commandments of God by the time we get to, over to the children of Israel and leaving the promised land and, or leaving the bondage of Egypt and coming to the promised land. Deuteronomy chapter 14 speaks of three different tithes. Now, I don't think it means 10% each time. I think it means different ways that the 10% can be used. God never put a burden on his people. God never operated in a way that, like the Romans did, for example, in Jesus' day, where the people wanted to rebel against all the taxation. That wasn't the way that God operated, never has been the way that God operated, never will be the way that God operates. But the tithe certainly has made its way into Judaism as a commandment of God. Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30, and it says, And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. So it's something that's made its way into Judaism without question. It's made its way into a part of the law. The law of Moses, I mean, when I say the law. It becomes a requirement that God imposes upon the people. Now, folks, as I said before, Genesis chapter 12 tells us that God had made Abraham very rich in silver and cattle and gold. His being rich wasn't a result of the fact that he tithed because he doesn't tithe till some years later. At least we don't have any record of him tithing until some years later when he gets to Genesis 14, as we just read, where he offers tithes to Melchizedek. So there's really no place in the Bible, Old Testament or New, that says if you don't tithe, you're not in God's favor. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking about Malachi chapter 3, and we'll get there. 
But there's really no place that the Bible spells out. It certainly didn't work this way for Abraham. And Abraham's covenant with God was not based or dependent on the tithe. God did not say, I'll bless you if you give me 10% of everything you have. That was never a part of the deal. God said, if you'll obey me and go to the land that I tell you to go, I'll bless you. I'll make your name great and you'll be a blessing. Nowhere is there an if you tithe in that. Even the children of Israel, we read Deuteronomy chapter 14 about the tithe and the use of the tithe that Moses explained to the people that God required. But God's already told them, if you back up to Deuteronomy chapter 7, Deuteronomy chapter 8, you'll find that the, the description of the promised land is a land without scarceness, a land with, full of resources. It's typified as the land that flows with milk and honey. And all those things are just a natural part of the land that they're going in to take possession of. There is no requirement. There is no restriction. God will bless this land or this land will be a land flowing with milk and honey if you tithe. It's just not there. So then why does the tithe become a part of the law? If it's not an if you will, then your results will be type of situation, then how does it become part of the law? There's only one answer for that, folks. There's only one feasible answer. There's only one possible answer. And that is God is telling the children of Abraham, the seed of Abraham, to follow not only Abraham's example of faith, even we are instructed to follow Abraham's example of faith, but they're being instructed to follow the heart, the motivation of their father Abraham in honoring God. Now let me prove that to you. Turn with me over to Proverbs chapter 3. What's the purpose for Proverbs? Well, it says the purpose for Proverbs is to learn wisdom. To learn wisdom. Proverbs chapter 3. Notice verse 9. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out new wine. Honor the Lord with the first fruits or with the substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. Now there's teaching out there or there has been teaching out there in years past that the fruit, first fruits is something different from the tithe. And I have no idea how people get that. It just doesn't make sense to me at all. Israel never even operated that way as the tithe being separate from or different from the first fruits. The first fruits is just a, a phrase that stands in for the tithe of the tenth. That's the way that it operated prior to, well, that's the way, I'm sorry, that's the way it operated with the children of Israel. They didn't take a tithe or bring the tithe and then bring the first fruits. They're tithing all the time because their, their harvest and their fruit is coming in in different ways. And this is the way that Israel operated. The first fruits is the tithe. God said, give me the tenth first and watch how I bless you. And the Bible calls that a part of this thing called wisdom. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open to you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, 
And he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast your fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you blessed, for you shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. So here's God's attitude toward the tithe and what the tithe will bring into your life. Now, if we back up a couple of verses, we'll find out that the children of Israel have not recognized the tithe as being holy unto the Lord, like Leviticus 27 says. God went to some degree of detail to explain what happens or how to rectify not tithing. He said, if you don't pay your tithes, then the only way you can catch up is with a penalty. So God is showing the children of Israel that it's an important thing. But he's done that before in different ways, too. Remember in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18, he says, don't forget the Lord your God when you come into the promised land and have all this land of plenty and flowing with milk and honey and so forth. He said, don't forget the Lord your God. Don't get to thinking that it was your smarts or your business ability that made you rich, that brought these blessings to you. He said, remember God who is, gives you the power to get wealth. Well, what is the power to get wealth? In the Old Testament, it was obedience. What's the power to get wealth for us? Faith. That is the power to get wealth. Under the old covenant, it was obeying the word. Under the new covenant, it's obeying the word through faith or by faith. So how can we rectify that Moses didn't tell Moses, who's most of the book of uh, Deuteronomy is Moses' farewell letter to the children of Israel. Joshua's going to take over. He's going to take them into the promised land. God's going to take Moses up into the mountain and bury him there. Can you imagine the shrine that the Jews would have made out of Moses' grave? They'd already made idols out of their own traditions concerning the law. So anyway, Deuteronomy is Moses' farewell letter. How can we rectify that Moses does not say, if you tithe, then these will be the blessings? Because right here, it tells us of a people who had stopped honoring God with the tithe. Let me back up in Malachi chapter Three, starting verse 6 he says for I am the Lord I change not therefore you sons of Jacob are not consumed by their disobedience that he refers to previously even from the days of your father you are gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them they've been disobedient to the commandments of the Lord remember one of the commandments of God was to tithe without question it made its way into the law even from the days of your fathers, you are gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But you say, wherein shall we return? Now notice the attitude of the people. The attitude of the people is, what have we done wrong? Verse 8, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed thee? God's answer is in tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse because they've robbed him, apparently. You are cursed with a curse for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven 
and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Fast forward to Jesus. There are two places where Jesus observes what people are doing with their offerings and so forth. I want you to look at those with me. Look at Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. Jesus speaks to the Pharisees and says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have omitted, have omitted the weightier matters of the law, which are judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought you to have done and not leave the other undone. Jesus says specifically, now remember Jesus is operating under the Old Testament. He's operating under the covenant that, we, that they had with Abraham that was codified or described by the law of Moses. So the commandment for him and the commandment in his day for the Jews, the people of God, would be to pay tithes. He says to the Pharisees, you're real careful to weigh out your spices so that you get 10% of whatever comes into your, your possession and give that 10% to God. But you've completely ignored what the law was really all about, which is judgment, mercy, and faith. So what does he do? He says, you are doing right in your tithing of your spices. But that didn't excuse you from what you should have done concerning judgment, mercy, and faith. So certainly, since tithing was under the law of Moses, he doesn't speak against it. He doesn't even foretell that it'll change or something will be different. Now look with me over to another case over in Mark chapter 12. We'll start with verse 41. And Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. Let's examine that statement. He sat over against the treasury, the place where they brought their tithes and offerings. He sat over against the treasury and watched how people gave. It didn't say he watched what they gave. It says he watched how they gave. Now, the fact that the Bible describes it in this manner shows us that the attitude of tithing, the attitude concerning tithes and offerings, is as important as the action itself. We stopped in Malachi chapter 3 before we got down to the part where God said, he told them to, to stop robbing him, bring the tithes into the storehouse. He then says, your words have been stout against me. Well, you can tell what's in a person's heart by the words he speaks, according to what Jesus said. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So the people that are speaking against God, he tells to rectify or fix the problem by changing their attitude toward tithing and obey what the word says to do. James 1.22 tells us to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. It's when we put the Word of God in practice and act on what God said to do, that's when the blessings of God become real in our lives. Thanks for watching today. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Wouldn't that have been the perfect place for Paul to say, now that tithing stuff don't bother about that? 
read the letter I wrote to the Corinthians and the Philippians about giving, having a giving heart and giving with the right attitude as your purpose in your heart and cheerfully and so forth, it would have been a perfect opportunity. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.